You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank call. Prank call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. We got some phone calls. We got some, I'm going to guess, hostile phone calls. But I'm actually interested to see the tone of everything because we still got obviously anger and disappointment and sadness. We've got some maybe renewed hope that things will turn around, you know, with the simplification. Well, now we also got a lot of wide receiver rumors and stuff. So kind of curious to see where things lead off. We do have some stragglers. Uh, We have not even finished Sunday's calls yet. So got to go through Sunday, Monday, and then today's, we won't get through all that. But anyways, the quickest way to get through all this is to, you know, be quiet and start doing it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start off with new callers. That's the rule here. If you call 608-501-0718, leave a message. That's how you how you do this thing. If you're a new caller, you get to go first. So let's do that. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Seth from Iowa. Hey, Seth. Not a first-time caller, but new phone number. Oh, you sneaky dude. I wanted jerk. to comment on kind of the state of the team where I see some issues are. Um and then kind of respond to your podcast from this morning a little bit. All right. I, I personally don't think it's Matt LaFleur is the issue. I think he's going to be our long-term head coach, and they just signed him to an extension in the offseason. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think our O-line is a disaster. I think we need to bump Elton Jenkins inside. Well, look, I'm just going to push back a little bit. I understand you know, he's had a lot of success, and the team loves him, and they paid him a bunch of money. I get all that. I'm not talking about anything that's happened in the past. I'm just talking about moving forward. Do you agree or disagree with my assessment that the team being unprepared, unmotivated, undisciplined is the fault of the head coach? If not, whose fault is that? If, if you want to, if you want to say, fine, he's not getting fired, fine, but at least acknowledge that. What we do moving forward is a separate question. He doesn't have to be fired. Could just be a learning experience for him. I don't know. I don't care. But that's the main point. Is that his fault? And it's kind of a trick question because it's very obviously his fault. But um, anyways, that's that's more where I'm at. Whether he gets fired or not, I don't know. But I think it's maybe silly to assume that he's just going to be locked up no problem. I mean, the end of this year would be kind of ridiculous. He's been very successful. But, you know, it's something to consider. If this becomes a problem... That's what it means to be put on the hot seat, where suddenly the GM and the owner are looking at the head coach going, mm, we might need to take a look at this. And by the way, coaches have been given an extension and then fired either that year or the next year. That happens, I wouldn't say regularly, but it's definitely happened before. And I think we ought to give Yash a try at right tackle. That doesn't work. I agree. Maybe we do Zach Tom at right tackle. Maybe Royce would be better right tackle, but I think it's true. What I want to see for next game from left to right is Bakhtiari, Runyon, Myers, uh, Jenkins, Josh. Yeah, I agree. Another thing to try, I'd be curious if you could comment on PFF stats for the O-line. I'm not sure how the Josh Myers is doing, but we could also try out Jenkins at center. He did that one year, and he was really good there. And then you could maybe do Jenkins at center, 
Myers or Zach Tom at right guard and Yasha at right tackle. But also. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard somebody say that before. I don't think, and I don't mean to say that he's completely incapable, but Josh Myers is a pure center. That's just what he is. That's what he's always done. Maybe, I mean, it's just, it's a very drastic move that I don't think we need to do because we have so many guards and so many tackles. I don't think we need to take our one pure center and make him a guard. And I don't think they're going to do that. Maybe he has the ability. Um, and, and you know, maybe that's that's an answer, but I think they like Josh Myers at center, and I don't think they want to make necessarily a change, although I think uh, Elton has a the real opportunity to be a Pro Bowl center, although I thought he was a Pro Bowl tackle and look at him now. But um, So I, I, I'm not on board with that. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of different combinations, and I, I'm okay trying them. And I understand it's a big process and it kind of starts like immediately where we say we're going to make a change because you need to practice and you need to get the communication down and you need to get these guys involved and everything so but you know do it i think i think part of the problem is rogers he commented on some podcast he's on recently how he likes the west coast better and how there's flaws right. in this game and that he's told matt lafleur such but I think he needs to buy into the scheme. Maybe him and him and LaFleur need to get together and kind of combine what Rodgers likes and what Matt LaFleur likes and kind of get a blend of the two, West Coast and the scheme. I, and I think that's what they were doing. It's kind of weird because when he first came here, it seemed like that's what, what it primarily was. It was primarily Rodgers' version of the West Coast from McCarthy's version of what he's done this this whole time. He's, but he's always admired the Shanahan system and said it was a beautiful thing. And and he said that in that same thing, you know, that it's a beautiful system that they run. It's really awesome, but it's it's not flawless. And obviously what Bill Walsh ran and everybody else ran, this West Coast system is also has flaws, you know. But um no, that I mean that is a good point. We've we've always been questioning whether Rodgers is fully buying in. And, and clearly he doesn't like it as much, and and maybe it's just because it's flawed, because but I, but he even said this whole thing that he likes, the Bill Walsh West Coast system, the Mike McCarthy West Coast system, is predicated on wide receivers being real good and beating their guy and me being able to make that perfect throw. And we saw that fall apart when Rodgers started to decline, as did the wide receivers. And it became easy to beat the Packers. That's where this new system comes in, where it's based on scheme. So you don't really need elite... Of course it helps, but it's not, we, we see it all the time with this scheme where guys just come wide open, just based on that's the way that the scheme is. I mean, as long as you run things at the right angles, right time, all that stuff, it'll work. But Rodgers seems to not embrace it or something. I don't, I don't know. He doesn't really like it. Um, he says it's because it's flawed. I don't know. But I, I think he's wrong in saying we need to go back to the other way. I understand tempo and things like that, and let's just do less of this, less of that. But we can't go back to the the old way of, Let's just play this thing where we have elite wide receivers and elite quarterback making real good throws on timing. Well, we don't have guys that can do the timing. We don't have the quarterback right now that can make the throws. We don't have the wide receivers that can win. We need Matt LaFleur to do Matt LaFleur stuff, and we need Aaron Rodgers to be doing Matt LaFleur stuff. If you want to simplify, okay, fine. But if simplify to you means let's do less motion, less this, less that, and get back to the way we did stuff with McCarthy, you're wrong. That's that's not going to work. One thing I've noticed is missing is you don't see Rodgers getting people jumping off sides near as often, and I, I think that's probably because there's a lot of motion, and when you have motion, that brings you down to the bottom of the play clock. So maybe if they pull the motion back a little bit, like, like Rodgers said in his post-game press conference, they can maybe get back to more of that jumping off side too, get some free shot plays down the field. seems like a few years ago you'd get one or two a game of those. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, I, again, I'm, I, the negatives certainly are way out, outweighing the positives here. If we're talking about the one free play, but I don't know, man. I, I you know, I guess we'll let them figure it out. I, I, I'm less optimistic than I was yesterday after hearing you know Matt Lafleur saying I don't even know what that means, and then Roger starts talking about I missed the old system, which really started to suck. And it's like I, I don't know, man. I'm starting to. I'm starting to kind of reel back in my optimism again. So I'd like to see that. And then on defense, I think it's our scheme. Um, good yeah. coaches uh, adapt their scheme to their players, don't force their players into their scheme, and right. I think Joe Barry is stuck in his scheme. So I agree. I think 
I think we have the defense to be blitzing one or two guys. You're bringing five or six and man up across, across the rest of the defense. I do think it's time to get Savage out of there or maybe trying that nickel or something, but he, he looks lost out there. That's my thoughts for today. Love to hear your comment. So on the podcast tomorrow, you'll hear I did the first half. Savage was one of the more positive players. Now, the second half is when things deteriorate, so we'll see how that goes. I haven't obviously done that yet. Uh, That's the first comment, but I I agree with Joe Barry, and and I've always said there's kind of like, if I could even remember what it was, there's multiple tiers in being a coach, right? There's different levels of being a really good coach. The very basic level is somebody that understands a scheme, and that's what Joe Barry was brought in for. He's been brought up in the Staley defense, whatever, the Fangio defense. We want to implement that. So we hand you a a test and you can pass it. But then there's another level, and that's adaptation. And that works on many different levels. First of all, as you said, adapting it to your defense, which is you need to be able to take the concepts and apply it to what you have. That's what Matt LaFleur did to our offense. That's why we don't look exactly like Kyle Shanahan or exactly like Sean McVay, because we have different pieces. So he needs to do different things. And and throughout the years, we do different things. That's why you have more jet motion with Christian Watson, because we have a guy that does that. And we like that. And we like that motion that he brings and that element. We're not seeing that. We're seeing Joe Barry trying to run what the Rams ran with the Rams players, but with Green Bay players. So we're not adapting. Then there's also the adapting to the the next level would be adapting to what the NFL does, adapting to different offenses, being able to take, again, the, the core concepts, but then just using that as a template to be able to go outward. Then, of course, the high level is being the innovator, and there's very few people like that, but I don't know if Joe Barry's at that second level to be able to say, okay, I understand the concepts. How do I apply that to make these guys dominant? And, and I think everybody kind of sees that, including the players. And, and I was encouraged by this last game. I really was. It's discouraging that it had to be the players going to him like, what the heck are you doing, dude? And, and six weeks in, he's like, you know what? You're right. So he just acknowledged he was wrong and didn't know what he was doing. And then he decided to change it. And I think it worked. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Anyways, let's rewind. Let's clean up these Sunday calls. We got two Sunday calls. Um, so these will be probably a little more pessimistic. <laughs> What's up, Brian? This hey, is Blake's dad. Going on. Um, I was way too angry to call before after the game. Yeah, man. I had to kind of chill out a little bit. Now I'm about to go to bed, so figured I could get this off my chest so I can actually sleep. I like it. Um, so Packers' offense sucked. Yep. Can't move the ball. What do we have? Five, six, seven drop passes. AJ Dillon, when he moves, it looks like he's moving his cement, so he's not really moving. I don't understand why the heck AJ Jones or Aaron Jones is. Standing on the sideline watching, it's uh, it's just so frustrating. The play calling seems to be dumb. Aaron throws two-yard passes constantly. The one time he goes down the field, Lazard catches it, but he's in, like, double coverage, so still kind of dumb. <laughs> um, defense seems he can't tackle anybody. Running backs can get all over the place. The only good thing that happened was we actually got a block punt for the first time in, what, like 95 years? Roughly. Yeah. And Michelin Gary got a sack. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of panicking now. I don't know if it's too early or not, um, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm panicking about this. All right, I'm going to bed later. Panic is what we do after Washington. Um, you know, again, there there's not too many more excuses left for the uber positive fans. The only real thing left is, hey, the Jets and Giants are actually a lot better than people are giving them credit for. Those are good football teams. Now, it shouldn't matter because if you're a good football team, you beat good football teams, especially when we're talking about good, not great. Right? We're not talking about Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, whatever the greatest teams this year happen to be. We're talking about teams that are just competent, you know, good, above the fray. Sorry for that noise. I've been down here a long time. There's a bag of something. I'm putting my feet up on it. It feels great, actually. It's nice. I'm reclining doing the podcast. Should just get a recliner over here. Just be super lazy about it. Washington is a disaster, right? I mean, you got the the thing with their ownership, and then he's going to be forced to sell the team and all that stuff. Which I can't believe. Can I just for a second, dude? Your life sucks right now, right? You are the center of attention for a lot of really bad reasons. If you sell that football team, you, you're you're getting cash. Right, the 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 value you have in that football team. Granted, it's going through the roof. I mean, it's an asset that's that's just skyrocketing. But we're talking liquid 
cash worth billions. I mean, that's the thing. Most billionaires, it's like, yeah, I'm a billionaire, but I can't spend any of it because I can't spend a stadium. You know, I'm not going to rip like a stadium chair out and be like, can I have two hot dogs and fries, please? You can't do that. You don't have the liquid. Granted, he's got tons of cash, but dude, if you sell the team for billions of dollars, and granted, I'm sure it's not all lump sum, it'll be worked out, whatever, which is great. You, you like, you, what, are you going to get like a billion dollars up front and then just get like, what, half a billion every year for 10 years or something? Oh, gee. Then you take all that cash and you vanish. And all the news cycles stop and all that nonsense stops. And by the way, a lot of the heat he's getting as far as legal stuff, a lot of that probably is just because they're trying to push him out. And the more you fight back, the more you're going to attack you legally. Just leave. And they'll probably leave you alone. And all the indictments and all that stuff goes away. And you get to go be a billionaire, like cash money billionaire. And I'm sure you got money tied up in other places. You got assets all over the place. You probably got billions of dollars in assets and other, I don't know what he did to get his money. Just walk away. It's over. It's like, this is a, this is a living nightmare that you're forcing yourself to keep. What are you worried about? The, the assets going to be going to go up like two, three trillion dollars in your lifetime. And then what? You're going to be dead and with two extra billion dollars of net worth that you never got to use. It's just tied to your name. That's stupid. You're almost dead. You're old. Take the money. Go off. Be rich. Enjoy life. Take me with you. I want to go with. Give me like five million bucks. I'll just follow you around like a puppy. I don't care. I'm not wearing a leash or anything weird, but you know, I'm just saying. Just leave. Why would you want to stay? I mean, I, I, I guess I get it, but they're trying to force you out. You know, they're trying to muscle you out of your, 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 this is mine. You can't take it from me. But dude, you messed up. You messed up. Okay. You were the one who did all that stuff. Let's be honest. You're probably still doing all that stuff. Leave. Just go. Can't believe you want to sit there and fight about it. How could you want that attention? I remember watching that game against the Bears and he's sitting there with his two bodyguards slash advisors, whatever they were on his sides, like whispering into each of his ears as he sat there slumped into a chair looking like he's got about eight minutes of life left, just out there for the whole world to see him. Like, aren't you ashamed and embarrassed? Don't you want to hide in a hole? I don't get it. Take your money. Just go. I would be so excited if all this stuff came to light and they're all talking about criminal indictments and all these things. And they're like, but I'll tell you what, sell it. We will give you, somebody will come along, give you billions of dollars and then you vanish and go live whatever life you want. Or you can stay here and fight battles, and get media dragged through the mud and everything else. It's not a hard choice, dude. Anyways, the panic will start if we can't beat that team. It's not even can't beat. We're favored by only five points, which sucks, because that team is straight trash. But I get it, and I'm tempted to bet on Washington, but I don't know. We'll see. I got to look at it a little bit. But there's nothing redeemable about them. This is a get-right game. This is the game where you win by more than seven points with a good effort from your offense and your defense. You have to score more than 20 points. You really should keep them under 20 points. I'm not even going to get any crazier than that. I'm not going to say 30. I'm not going to say more than 24. I'm not going to say sub 10 for defense. Just a good performance is sub 20 for them, plus 20 for us, win by more than seven. 17, 20, what? 25, 15, 23, I don't care. Just that's what it is. Anyways, sorry, I'm taking up all your time. But that, that's, that's when you can panic, if we suck against Washington. Hey, Ryan, it's Craig from Indiana. Hey, man. Um, unfortunately, I was at the Jets game today. I'm sorry. Been a season ticket holder for um, 10 years, and this is the first time I left a game before it was completely over. Wow. Um and I, again, I get it because I haven't turned off a Packer game in a long time. I've done it before. Within 10 years, I've, I've had a couple. But this was probably halfway through the fourth quarter. I just turned it off, and um, it's like I'm just not watching this crap. And I played free cell on the laptop with my son. We turned on something else. He, he wanted to watch another football game, and I'm like, no, let's, uh, let's watch kids' movies. Let's watch Crude's. And I'm going to play games, and we're just going to pretend football isn't a thing because football is just depressing right now. Football is out of my life for the day. 
Um, we're just gonna we're gonna watch movies and play stupid games and just zone out. I just it was too hard to continue watching it. And if people think I'm a fair weather fan, I guess they can. But uh, I've been pretty devoted for a long time. But pretty frustrating. Um, I uh, I'm just really confused about our offensive line. Um, yeah. Last year, I was very impressed with what uh, Stenovich did with throughout the season, uh, with lots of injuries, moving people around, played pretty good. Um, and then I was really alarmed at his decision in the playoff game when I think it was Billy Turner he played at left tackle, um, and just never made any adjustments yeah. um, during that game. Um, and so I was concerned about his decision-making, and then we promote him. Um, and then... Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that, and usually I default to, you know, they're the coaches, I'm just some stupid fan, I don't know, I, I defer to them. But far too often, especially this year, I think we're finding out they're just human beings and they're flawed and they, they don't know. It's kind of like when you're a kid and you think your parents know everything and then you become a parent and realize I don't know Jack. Like I'm just faking it and my parents were faking it and we don't know anything. I feel like that's kind of how it is for, for coaches and head coaches in the NFL. And we're seeing that, right? Everybody's screaming about the defense. And after six weeks, Joe Barry comes out five weeks, whatever. And he's like, uh, yeah, you guys are right. I, I'm stupid. We're going to change it. Sorry. After weeks of saying, change the offensive line, this sucks. Now they're talking about, oh, yeah, we might need to make a change. We'll look at that. We'll see what happens. We'll, we might change some stuff up. I think they're generally stubborn, slow to slow to change, if at all. And and there's some merit to that. I think being too volatile. I mean, I think if, if, a, if an average fan took over, the team would generally suck. And one of the things that would suck about it is they're constantly changing. You know, one of the things that that also happens that's a negative that Matt Lafleur has mentioned is getting away from the game plan too quick, too quickly. We as fans want them off the game plan in five seconds, unless it's a game plan we like, right? We we want you to run, even if it's not working, like this last game where Jones had like one point two yards per carry. Stick with it. But otherwise, like if we do stuff and it sucks, don't ever do that again. You're an idiot. If somebody's not blocking well, replace them. Put somebody else in, even though they haven't practiced all week and it's going to be a huge disaster. You know what I mean? So th- th- there is a balance, and I try not to go too far in that direction. But we're definitely seeing that these are just human beings, and you know, even seeing Matt Lafleur when they when asked, you know, what do you need to do and to change it, and he's just like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's not what I thought from the guy that I thought knew everything, but you know, whatever. Just the debacle we got going on now with the offensive line, and I know he's not the I don't think he's the offensive line coach anymore, as he's the offensive coordinator. But you would think he'd have some say in that, and again, making adjustments um, or changing some things out. Um, and I know we took uh, Royce out, but then had to put him right back in. I shouldn't say had to. We did. Um, there's got to be other options that are better than that. You pulled him out, um, and I just can't believe that we can't figure out something better. So I uh, felt bad for Aaron not having any time. Uh, Rogers also didn't play well, but certainly we got to give him some more time and open up some holes for our running backs. So it's ridiculous. So hopefully they get this figured out or experiment with something, try something different. But the definition of insanity is, you know, is to continue doing the same thing and expect or different results, right? So uh, anyway, pretty exhausted from the game and uh, from press conferences and everything else. Take care. Bye. Yeah, and I mean, I there's really no doubt in my mind the biggest issue is the offensive line in terms of, you know, what one thing could turn this team around the most substantially, I guess. And the good news is we know we have the pieces. We've seen this version or this offensive line decimated and still perform at a fairly high level. Now they're back together and, and it's not there. And I think that has something to do with the stubbornness because they know they have the pieces. You know, Royce was never a great guard, but he wasn't this bad. And Elton Jenkins was a top 10 tackle in the NFL when, you know, for that brief stint half a year or whatever that he played. So I understand sitting there saying, we we can't give up on this. We know Elton Jenkins, you know, yeah, we can kick him into guard, but dude, why don't you just be awesome? Then we have an awesome right tackle. Can you just be awesome? He's like, heck yeah, dude, I'm going to be awesome. Like, all right, 
please be awesome this week. Yeah, I got this. And then he sucks. And it's like, all right, remember last week when we talked and I said be awesome and you said you would be awesome and then you weren't awesome? Do you, are you, what, why, what, uh, what the heck, dude? I get the hesitation, but at the same time, I think there is almost an automatic upgrade if we just put Yash at right tackle and Elton at right guard. And we can just call it temporary because we know Yash is at least as steady enough to be an upgrade at right tackle over what Elton's been giving us. And I can't imagine Elton being kicked inside. It would be worse than Royce. I can't fathom that. Now, I couldn't fathom Elton being as bad as he was at right tackle. So for all I know, maybe Yash goes out there and he sucks and Elton sucks at guard and this whole offensive line situation is just a disaster and butt kiss is horrible and I don't know. But like you said, we're, we're doing the same thing and it isn't working. And I understand sticking with it and because you believe in it and you be, believe in Elton, you trust in him, that's great. But you, you, you did what you... You've done enough in terms of, you know, demonstrating trust to your players. You have done that. And they didn't reward you. So time to do something else. And again, let's just call it temporary. Okay? We don't have to call this permanent. Elton's got a knee thing. Cool. We'll let, we'll let him play inside where he doesn't have to be as athletic. There's less movement. And if and when he starts to feel more confident, we'll switch it up again. Hey, Ryan. Dylan here. Hey, man. I just want to hear your thoughts on some things. A lot of fans are falling back on this lazy media narrative about the receivers. No matter what we do, like even when we had Devontae, it's the worst thing ever that we didn't try and get more receivers in the first round. Uh, it's not about if the wide receivers are doing a good enough job, and it never was. The lazy narrative that the Packers fans are falling for right now because they're desperate for answers. Uh, big networks, fantasy football, social media, they want the shiny playmaker, but our receivers don't win or lose games. Uh, the state of this offensive line is way more concerning to me. People want Odell or, like, washed-up Will Fuller, and that makes zero sense. No. This O-line is not working in its current state. Well, and and that's, you know, I just got done talking with JJ about this. Um but yeah, what 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 is that going to do? We bring in Odell and we put what Dobbs on the bench cuz I mean I don't know, we're not going to put Lazard on the bench as much as you might want that to be Dobbs and 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 um Odell. I I don't think that's I mean occasionally that'll be the thing, but you know, so okay, so we're benching the guys that we like. We're bringing in Odell. We'll get him up to speed and everything, and he can run kind of the routes that we need and everything. He did it in L.A., so it's going to be similar concepts or whatever. He'll figure it out. But what 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 is the big asset there that's going to change everything? Because we've acknowledged the problem is quarterback, um, to some extent left guard, center, right guard, right tackle, tight end, wide receiver, um, maybe defensive tackle, a little bit of edge rusher, at least in terms of depth. Linebacker, I think, is a disaster. Corner is yet to be determined. It seems like they're underachieving, but also the scheme sucks. Safety seems to be a bit of an issue, although Amos seems to be coming into his own. And I thought Savage actually played decent, as far as I could tell. We'll see what happened in the second half. I haven't gotten that far yet. but um, so So you bring in a wide receiver, and then what happens? What happens? Is Rodgers suddenly going to be better? No. Why would he be? He's got open receivers now, and he can't hit them. He can't throw to him deep. You know, he, he hit Aaron Jones in the feet <laughs> on a screen. Um, he massively underthrew Romeo Dobbs, I think, twice, as well as Aaron Jones. That was underthrown and thrown out of bounds. It doesn't fix the fact that he has no time. It doesn't fix the, fix the fact that he refuses to stand in the pocket and, and freaks out when there's a little bit of pressure. It doesn't fix the fact that he, you know, whatever. I think it's it's... You know, there are a handful of plays where somebody didn't get open that he probably would have gotten more separation. You know, there's, there's, especially in this game where the corners for the Jets actually played really, really well. And you can probably picture them. There's a couple plays with Lazard and Dobbs where they're in man coverage and it's just a little too tight a coverage. And maybe with Odell, he'd have been open. And I'm not opposed to that. And I'm not saying he doesn't bring a, a different skill set. I, I think he's a sharper route runner. He probably is going to get that separation. Um, he's probably got some real good run after the catch. Again, it's not peak Odell, but even, you know, 75% of Odell is is better than most receivers in the NFL for sure. I'm not opposed to that, but but we're putting too much on that. 
doesn't fix our offensive line issues, doesn't fix our quarterback issues, doesn't fix our running back issues, our tight end issues, or, or doesn't even fix our wide receiver issues. It fixes one guy. Lazard's still out there. Dobbs is still out there with, with whatever his issues are. Christian Watson is out there with his issues. They're still there doing or not doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, honestly, if we brought Devontae Adams back to this, it would still be somewhat of a disaster, and, and Odell is, is not on the level of Devontae. So it's a thing. But it doesn't fix everything. So, yeah, if you want to explore that, that's fine. But now we're kind of bringing the bank account to zero to bring in Odell, and it doesn't doesn't do anything. Um, so that's why I said, from my perspective, prove that we're one wide receiver away and then go get a wide receiver. Otherwise, it's a waste of time because we need a wide receiver. We need more edge rushers. We need maybe a better safety, um, probably, especially with us playing three safeties. I mean, Rudy Ford is... Um, Seems to be doing a good job. Maybe that's maybe that is the answer. I don't know, but since we seem to be subbing out Quay a lot, which I think is a great plan, um, you know, we probably need that. Could use another defensive tackle because Devontae Wyatt isn't panning out, and Slayton seems to be decent as a run defender, but um, he's he's subpar for sure. We need probably a guard, even though we have a bunch of guys on the team that's just not working. Although maybe we should just go get a tackle. You know, you get a real good tackle, and then you put Elton at guard, and that solves that. We, you see what I'm saying? There's too many issues. And and to your point, Dylan, everybody wants wide receiver because that's the flashy thing. Offensive line's the biggest issue. Nobody's saying we should go get a tackle. Why? Why not? We want to move Elton inside because you think Yash is a premier player? He's not. Okay? Let me just, spoiler alert, he's not a premier tackle. Why don't you want a premier tackle? Because offensive line is boring. That's the answer to the question. Maybe we have the guys, but if we want to make a move, it should be for a solid lineman. Oh. Uh, we want to give the ball to Jones, but did you watch that game? He got lit up at the line of scrimmage on every single yeah. play. Dylan did too, behind the line of scrimmage a couple times. Run block to save their lives. Oh. If you want to improve this roster, you need to get a better starting five. And, and you know what? That's not even enough. Because, again, I went back and kind of charted out these plays. Uh, one of the prettier plays that I saw was to Aaron Jones, beautifully blocked by everybody except Mercedes Lewis. Mercedes Lewis got beat, and it ruined the whole thing. So you've got... All five offensive linemen. Um, Tyler Davis, the other tight end, I think was in there. So you got two tight ends. You got the wide receivers blocking. You got five linemen. You can have five, six, seven, eight, nine guys doing a great job. One guy messes up, and it ruins the whole thing. You have to be perfect on some of these. Not not all of them. Some of them, it's you know, there's maybe three or four guys that need to do their job. The other guys, you know, just don't let this guy get all the way across the field, and you're fine. It's not the hardest job in the world. Although I have seen people fail in that endeavor um but yeah there, there there are plays where if one out of five six seven guys messes up their block misses their block it's it's game over and that's what happened every play sometimes it was a bunch of guys but at the very least it was one guy that can't hold his block that didn't block the right guy that didn't get off his block didn't get up to the next level didn't reach the linebacker um and yeah, every play seemed like it was just a complete failure. The the only play that worked got called back because Elton Jenkins was holding. It's the only one that seemed to really work. He doesn't need to call Odell. He needs to be calling teams out of the race and go get a veteran lineman who can run block or play right tackle. Uh, the whole narrative just drives me crazy. Um, let me know what you think, and are there any linemen you'd want to see a sign or trade for? Thank you. That's a good question. I had somebody ask me about the wide receiver, so I think I'll I'll save that. Um, we're probably going to end up signing somebody because every time I do this, and I'm like, I, uh, today we're doing this, tomorrow we're doing this, and then the next day I'll look into it. It'll be too late. We already signed somebody, and it'll probably be a wide receiver. And so I won't even talk about it because my notes are about how we know I don't want any of these wide receivers. And then I have to get on and be like, yeah, he's going to be great. Um, I haven't heard anything about it, but again, it's not as exciting. If there's wide receivers in discussions like Chase Claypool or whatever, it's talked about constantly, and, and especially for the Packers. If there's a tackle that's maybe going to be traded, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Actually, I want to look at the Panthers. That's the one thing I'm going to look at because they're apparently having a fire sale, and everybody knows about Christian McCaffrey and uh, Robbie Anderson, who's a complete waste of a roster spot. I cannot believe that the Cardinals traded. I mean, I can because they're obsessed with wide receivers. So they just drafted a Kemaquanu. They also very recently drafted Brady Christensen. Pat Elfline is that terrible center that the Vikings had for kind of a long time. We don't want him. But there is Austin Corbett, 
which is really interesting. Uh, he's not yet 27 years old, second round pick. Um, he started off, I think, with Cleveland. Then he went to L.A. He was real good in L.A. And now in Carolina, he's actually got an 80 overall grade. He's doing a real bang-up job. And the big one, Taylor Moten. He has been a real solid tackle for the Carolina Panthers for a while. I don't know their contract situations or how beneficial it would be to move on. Generally, you want to keep your younger core guys and build around them. Um, but, you know, again, Taylor Moten's 28. If he's coming up for a contract, it might make sense. Uh, I'm just going to look at it real quick. Because they won't do it because Taylor Moten's a real good tackle, and they're, they're not going to give away Elton Jenkins' spot. That would just completely deflate him. But I'm just saying, you go out and get a surefire tackle like Taylor Moten, pay him probably nowhere near. I could be wrong, but I don't think you're going to have to pay him what you would have to pay Elton Jenkins to be a tackle, those young, up-and-coming, elite top 10 types, which, again, he's not doing that. But, yeah, he's at $17.8 million on average. He actually just signed kind of recently. Signed through the age of 31. Yeah, they can't trade him. All right, it was worth looking at. What about Austin Corbett? Nah, not really a not really a thing. He's he's kind of a next year option. Maybe he's got you know all the void years and everything else. But yeah, I don't think they can trade him. I don't know. Be interesting to look into. I'm sure somebody on Google's got a list of uh, trade targets that include tackles. Um, uh, why don't we take a break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you want to support this year podcast, you can do it for as little as one dollar per month. And with all these listeners, I'm telling you right now, if everybody just said I'm going to give them a buck. That's it. And then he'll stop bugging me about it, which won't actually happen. But in your mind, you'll be like, all right, I took care of that. I don't have to think about it anymore. One buck a month. Everybody that's listening, I'm loaded, bro. (laughs) Honestly, you know what I need? When you look at how many people listen in a month, if 15%, 15% of the listeners gave $1 per month, I would make as much money as my full-time job. Just 15%, just $1. I would make as much as my full-time job. If 100% gave $100 a month, <laughs> I mean, you know, we'll get there. Something about a couple million or whatever is no big deal. Think it over. Anyways, uh, also, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry is the um, charity we are supporting. You can find links pinned to the top of my Twitter as well as the Packing a Podcast Facebook group, or you can just go directly to their website at fertilegroundranch.org. Greatly appreciate your support over there. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, morning, Pat Daddy. It's, uh, it's Jersey Mike. Hey. Uh, I don't know if uh, you can hear uh, the accent, but probably because I'm not as frustrated anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had some time to think last night, you know, consider, consider the options. And, and here's, here's what I woke up to this morning. Another report that Aaron Rodgers has gone up to Jair Alexander and said, hey, you know, we've got to keep our heads about this and have a good attitude and, and whatever the hell else he's got to say to Jair. You know what I have to say to you, Aaron Rodgers? You might want to get the beat button ready. Oh, boy. Go f*** yourself, you mindless piece of I don't really f***ing care about your feelings or your emotions or your manifestations. You know what you're manifesting? I am too much of a sorry a- <laughs> to take responsibility for my crap play, and I'm too much of a to go up to my teammates and say, you know what? And it's unacceptable, and I'm a no, no, that, that ain't happening. What's happening is we're telling our star players, you know, you have no right to be upset because if you get upset, that means we're manifesting upset. We're manifesting upset and we're just going to have a bad team. No, Aaron Rodgers, what you're doing is saying, hey, Josh, you don't have a reasonable argument because you're just bringing negative attitude into this bubble of friendliness, right? And with your negative attitude, you're just going to keep losing. Until Aaron Rodgers and all his namaste ayahuasca, right? He's just going to keep, keep saying, hey, you've got to have good vibes. You've got to be good, you know, good, good, good. Everything's got to be good. It can't be, you know what? We are trash. We are garbage. All right, you can, you can put your beef button away now. Okay. Thank but, you. But seriously, I mean, what is it going to take for another leader to step up on this team Walk up to Aaron Rodgers and punch him in the face and say, you know what? Screw your hippie nonsense. You're not getting this team anywhere. This is football. This is built on raw emotion, right? Like, you're supposed to play your, play, play to the play. But at the end of it, when you, when you ask the best players, like, what, what, you're, you're trying to hurt people out there. Troy Palomalu was trying to cremate people and send them to the morgue. Barry Sanders is doing the same thing. J.J. Watt, when he first started his career, Clay Matthews. You know, Julius Peppers, when you've got great guys on defense, they're going to cremate people. And those kinds of guys that cremate people, yeah, they're going to have horrible attitudes. Ray Lewis, right? Those, those kinds of guys, they need that fire in their belly. On offense, you don't think A.J. Dillon needs that power and that passion and that theory that when he steps up into the hole and he sees a 300-pound lineman, he goes, you know what? Eat my freaking shoulders, right? Yeah, cut off. We'll continue that. Hey, see you again. Uh, apparently your voicemail doesn't like uh, going on too long. Uh, mic again. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I think that we need to get that raw attitude and emotion going back on offense. Uh, get rid of Aaron Rodgers, uh, Ayahuasca, Namaste, whatever the hell his, his spiritual ideology is now, right? We have to understand this is a game of football, and football is rough, tough, and it's fast, and it's it's filled with anger. You know, when, when your right guard isn't blocking, you go up to him, you grab him by the collar, you say, get out of the game, and you put somebody else in. You know, um, when, you, when you're Aaron Rodgers and you're so impactful on the team, you walk up to Matt LeFleur and say, you know what? These guys aren't getting this job done this right way, or I'm not getting my job done the right way, take me out of the game. There, there's got to be some level of accountability, and then that accountability needs to show up next week. I will be at the Washington Commanders game, and I'm going to be about 10 rows back from the Packers sideline. And you can damn be sure that I am going to be screaming my head off and losing my mind at Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers specifically if they do not call a good game or if Aaron Rodgers is throwing games away and not looking at guys. Uh, I, I mean, that, that's the bottom line. If they're not going to be the fire and the passion in that football team and in that locker room, I'll, I'll go out there in Washington and I lose my mind on them. And maybe they'll, uh, maybe they'll pick it up. So my hope is when we get to, to Washington, I'm there, and we're able to get a, a win, and maybe maybe we look better. But, uh, yeah, thoughts on that? I'd appreciate it. Have a good one, guys, buddy. 
Thanks for the call, Jersey Mike. Um, maybe maybe try to get that phone worked on a little bit or don't call from the trash compactor factory or whatever. Um, that was a little bit painful. But I, I, I do like pretty much everything you said. I, I, I get annoyed with, I, I, I don't know, I, I think you said it perfectly. You have the audacity after playing like garbage to get in the face of Jair, who's one of the few premier guys that's actually showing up. And by the way, I'd be really worried about losing that defense because they played their hearts out and you're you're crushing their spirit by being so garbage. And then, you know, and again, Rodgers came out later and was like, you know what, I, I love the guy. He's awesome. You know, we're, we're friends and everything, but it doesn't matter. You don't need to be making comments about, you know, you shouldn't be manifesting negative this, that. Dude, shut up. Just just say what you want to say. You know, if if people need to have their face caved in, go ahead and do it. But maybe you do too. And I think you're right. I think the best thing to do, rather than saying some people are saying negative things and we shouldn't have negative words going into the universe or whatever nonsense. Yeah, I, th- I think the best thing is to go up to, especially your leaders on defense, and say, I want you to know that you are an elite corner and you are an elite pass rusher, Rashawn. And you, you know, you guys, I love what you guys did. And I have never in my life seen a defense play like this. And I have played with some, some stars, Clay Matthews, Julius Peppers, you know, Mike Daniels, uh, whatever the, the, the guys on secondary, I'm blanking on all their names, lots of elite players. I've never played with guys like this before. And I just want you to know that as long as you keep fighting, we're going to keep fighting and we will get better. You know we will. What we're doing right now is unacceptable. But with the defense that I'm seeing right now, this is a Super Bowl caliber defense. And when we get back on track, this is going to be a special year. You don't need to be chastising them like a like a kindergarten teacher about their word choices. Especially, you know, and, and again, it's one thing if like Royce Newman starts popping off about you know, whatever, talking trash. Like, dude, you need to shut your mouth. But you know what? If you're the guy that sucks and the guy that doesn't suck pipes up about, you know, maybe some things suck, maybe just eat it, okay? Just eat it. You're really not in a position to talk down to Jair right now. He's earning his money. He got paid too. Not nearly as much as you did, but he got paid a lot of money. He's earning it. Some people got paid and they're kind of just sitting back a little bit, it seems like. Not naming names or anything. Anyways, I got to go back and bleep out all that stuff. I may have bleeped out a couple things that weren't actually swears because it sounded funny, but that's what happens when it's your show. You can do whatever you want. Uh, thank you again for the call, Jersey Mike. Hey, Ryan. Dan from California. Hey, Dan. I don't know if I'm the only one who remembers this, but I think it was week one. And they were doing the pregame announcements, and they were having Aaron Andrews talk about Matt LaFleur and what they were doing with the coaching staff. They were saying that they weren't going to be little guys um, as a coaching staff. Instead of getting in a guy's face, they were going to instead, you know, coach him up and don't, you know, don't insult and don't uh, scream at a guy, coach him up. Well, that's the embodiment of everything that's going wrong with the Green Bay Packers. We need somebody, like, we have the guy. Rich Passaccia should be promoted to assistant head coach, and he should be the accountability czar. He needs to go around and get everybody's face. I really like that. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, I had mentioned I was doing the show with JJ, which I think is going to be tomorrow. Um. But it was just a Q&A thing, and Goose had submitted a question. It, it was kind of ridiculous. Should... Um, and I think he meant it to be, but, um, Matt LaFleur be demoted to offensive coordinator and Rich Passaccia be the head coach. And, you know, again, in theory, that sounds awesome because again, you, you got the guy that can be the leader, the motivator. I mean, people in, in, uh, the Las Vegas, they, they fought and died for the guy. They bled for the guy. They love Rich Passaccia, but yeah, he's a screamer. He's a yeller. He's going to get in your face and swear at you and tell you what's going on. Um, and and obviously Matt Lafleur is is a brilliant offensive mind and all that. Again, that's not going to happen, but in theory it makes sense. You've got the leader leading, you've got the offensive guy being an offensive guy because at this point that's what Matt is. 
he's a really, really, really good offensive play caller. And some people disagree with that, but I, I really think that's the case. I just think there's a, a an issue with leadership and, and getting guys to want to do that. Do guys in Green Bay, do, do they want to fight and bleed for Rich for, for Matt LaFleur the way they did Rich Passaccia when he was promoted in Las Vegas? The way he got those guys fired up and rally? But I, I love what you said, which went right over my head. I never even considered it, giving him the assistant head coach title, which I always thought was just kind of a in-name thing. It's a way to kind of keep a guy around. You probably give him a big raise just so he doesn't leave. But it's it's the same job. Special teams coordinator slash assistant head coach. But that that is a great point where you can, and yeah, you know, you want his efforts to be towards special teams, but at this point, the whole team needs help. You can give him responsibilities in terms of, of leadership. And I don't know exactly how that works, how you would allocate that, because I don't know exactly what they do in a day. But there needs to be a, a new focus and mentality. And I, I, I don't remember hearing that, but I believe you because I, that seems to be the case. Um, even Joe Barry, you know, he's, he's high energy. But he's not a he's not a bad guy. He's he's kind of your 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 best buddy, and he screams and he yells and he jumps and he does all that stuff. But you know it's 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 a loving environment, and and again that's that's a great thing. But it always goes back and forth. When you're the good guy, eventually things start to get a little bit too relaxed. People take advantage of that. They take advantage of you, and you need somebody to come in and be that hammer. And I don't know that that's a terrible idea. I don't I don't I don't know because it's Matt Lafleur's decision to not coach the team that way. So, I mean, if you want to change your mind, then just change your mind. You don't need to hire somebody else to do it for you. Um, and if you did promote him, I'm assuming you still want that same philosophy of not screaming, swearing at people, whatever. But I I, I think there needs to be that that change. And, it, you know, it doesn't have to be Matt LaFleur leaves, but there, there has to be something in which there's a new standard. Um, and it's built on respect and hard work. And, you know, we, we kind of move in the direction of what the Patriots do and, and some other people where it's, this is work, you know, we're not here to be friends. We're not here to be buddies. You come here and you work hard. And if you work hard, I'm going to make you a lot of money, but that's it. You want to play hard, you go ahead and do that in the off season and you, you go ahead and just tear it up. I couldn't care less, but right now we're going to, we're going to make, this is where we make our money. This is where you get those big contracts. We come in here, and I'm going to set you up, but you got to put in some work. And I'm talking serious work, and I am I mean diligence. You will be here on time, and on time means 10 minutes early. You're sitting in that seat, or you will not play. You know, it's it's psychotic diligence, and and um, there's a lot of discipline, and I mean, it's it's, it's like the military. Um, and I, again, I'm not saying specifically how it should go, but they're just we need to move in that direction. Because it just feels too loose, too relaxed, too, you know, whatever. You know, there's a lot, well, we got we got to execute. I know, dude, we know. Why aren't you doing it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm telling them what to do and they're not doing it. Why? I mean, it's, it's like, you know, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but there, there have been occasions as a parent where maybe my wife forgets that we're the parents. And it'll be something to the effect of like, I thought so-and-so was supposed to do this. And she's like, well, I told them to, and they still haven't done it. I'm like, well, that is not an option. <laughs> they, they don't get to make that decision. When we say something, they do it right now. Do what you're told, when you're told, with a respectful attitude. That's the only way that it goes. There is no other alternative. That's the way it works in this house. So... <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, the, the, the worst word, the biggest swear you could ever say in my house. You, you, could, you could say a lot of stuff. I mean, you get in trouble for swearing, but the absolute worst word ever was why. I want you to clean your room. Why? Oh, you are just going to get beat. <laughs> you could literally hear the record scratch. You don't ask questions. You do it because I said so. This is not a, this is not a collaborative effort. You shut your mouth. You do what you're told. And again, that that eventually doesn't work unless you're Bill Belichick and, and somehow he's able to sustain that level of psychotic thing forever and people just... Well, I, I guess the people that sort of start to become a problem, he just ships them off and finds somebody else. Which, you know, again, not many people can do that. But he can. And he can actually go out and get troublemakers and bring them in and then they 
shape up and then eventually if they don't they leave but you still get production out of them but eventually that that kind of wears thin because then the people rebel and they get upset and then you got to bring in the nice guy but yeah i i agree we need to do something like that that's what we need we need jerry montgomery you know telling the you know all the defensive linemen hey you know this isn't good enough Devontae wyatt you got to get in there you got to make it your presence you got to have the linebackers do what they need to do, and it's not the defense; it's just the entire team. And I, you know, this is where do you go from here? And I know you are just feeling the same way, and everybody's just—it just doesn't look right. And it's just these. You there? There he is. I don't think he's not a part of the problem. He just got paid, and he's playing like garbage, right? He's—he's he's one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL. He's checking to uh, pass and playing hero ball. Why can't we just com- why can't we line up with six linemen and run the ball twenty times a game, thirty times a game? I don't know. It's his coaching staff. It's the quarterback. It's the identity of this team. They don't have it. And just like you said, we have all the talent in the world, and you it's just you don't you know, you can't do it. It's just you can't. Man, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting season. <laughs> go pack, go. Yeah, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm going to rant and rave and rage, in rage about what happened and how much it sucked, and then they're going to go to the podium and say, "Here's our solution," and don't worry, we'll figure it out. And I'm going to sit back and go, "All right, we'll see." You got Washington. I don't think you have an easier team on your schedule. If this isn't the get right game, we don't have one. So, aside from, like, playing the Bears again, maybe the Lions, I don't even know. I'm not positive that that's a better solution. It probably is. Their defensive line kind of sucks, unless Aiden figures it out. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I we'll see, man. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, we have a lot of ideas, but at the end of the day, a lot of our ideas are stuff that we know is never going to happen. Rich Passacci is not going to be promoted, and if, if he is, he's not going to be given authority to change the culture of we are now going to start screaming and ranting and raving and being like the disciplinarians. And I don't even know if that would work. You know, it's, it's just, it's not, uh, it's hard to pretend to have like a culture shift and pretend you're somebody else. Now like Matt LaFleur comes in, he's like, all right, now I'm, it's like prison, Mike, you know, it's so fake. The dementors and it height. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, that's not, you know, I agree, but that's not where the change is going to come. It's not going to be a culture change where Matt LaFleur becomes the tough guy, and he's not going to hand off the duty of tough guy stuff to Rich, and, and you know, that stuff's not going to happen. So I like it. I like the idea, but that's it's a little more drastic than I think is is probably going to happen. Plus, it's a really bad look for Matt LaFleur. You know, I mean, we're, we're going to sit here and say, no, he's not on the hot seat. There's no problem here. But he has to concede part of his job to somebody else because he can't do it. That's That's a bad look. Hey, Brian, it's Chris. One thing I've been noticing is that Rodgers seems to be avoiding the middle of the field. Uh, when he throws to the middle of the field, the offense seems to open up. We saw it in the second half against New England, a little bit against the Giants. Um, but then when he starts to focus on the sidelines, back shoulder throws, things like that, the offense really seems to tighten up. When you watch a video this week, I'm curious if you see that same thing. Is Rodgers avoiding the middle of the field? Are the plays not designed to uh, stretch or open up the middle of the field? Just curious if that's a thing or if I'm just imagining it. Thanks, Ryan. I um, I know Aaron Rodgers has made comments about defenses are sort of taking that away and trying to challenge them to win on the boundary. Um, and they just have not been able to do it. I watched the first half, and tomorrow's podcast is going to be about that, the first half of the game. And there were almost no times when there was somebody open and he didn't really throw it to him. There there, there were maybe a couple, and I think kind of early on, but um, there really wasn't anything noticeable. We'll see about the second half where guys are running open across the middle of the field, and um, he chose not to do it and is just launching it down the ball. It did happen. I think I remember at least one time. Um, but yeah, for for the most part, that wasn't really there from what I could see. And that was one of the things I was keeping an eye on is, okay, he threw it there, but was there a better option? Um, and a lot of times that better option was like in the flat, 
you know, it's it's AJ Dillon was completely unaccounted for in the flat and he didn't go that way. He wanted the deep ball down the sideline. I think that's the thing though. I could be wrong. I don't know. Um I don't recall from other games necessarily, but I think they're trying to take that away and they're trying to force the Packers to win down the boundary because they don't think they can. They don't have that guy that's going to be able to beat them one-on-one and Rodgers making that throw before the safety can get there kind of thing. And so they're challenging it. And to be honest, I think we are winning. Uh, You know, Aaron Jones, one down the sideline, Rodgers missed him. Dobbs, one down the sideline twice, Rodgers missed him. Um, The only guy he seems to be able to hit is Lazard, and he's the only one that can't separate (laughs) But it works, so whatever. Uh, we'll do one more real quick because we're so far behind, and then uh, then we'll call it for the day. Hey, Ryan. Grand guy again. Sorry to bother you. time today, but uh, I only got to listen to your podcast. And, uh, you guys, uh, do your best to call from a quiet location. Turn off Bluetooth. Talk into the phone. That whole thing, because... It's like I can't hear any of you guys ever. I don't know what what the deal is. You guys like go in the middle of the factories and set the phone down on the trash can and then go take ten paces backwards or something. I can't hear. I can hear the cars driving around, but I can't hear you. You uh, mentioned uh, the leadership, uh, lack of motivation. Do you feel like um, Darius Smith leaving eBay? made a huge difference with the leadership on the team. And, uh, you know, there's always two sides to a story. And, you know, the past couple of weeks, and, you know, there's the lack of motivation. doesn't seem like anybody cares. Do you think the various side of the story of how that all ended was a little more true? Um, I don't know. So if if you couldn't hear that, the question was essentially, um, is the is the team or the defense specifically being impacted by Zadarius leaving? Uh, did we lose sort of that leadership? And is maybe Zadarius Smith's story of what happened more true than maybe not? I don't really remember that story. I kind of purged it from my memory. I don't remember exactly what he said happened. Um, I know I didn't really buy it because the timeline seemed to make sense. You kind of connect the dots on the other side of things and everything really made sense. I I would almost say it's kind of the opposite. I feel like Zadarius was kind of a drain um, as far as motivation. You know, I mean, they didn't vote him team captain. It's not like they they really respected him a ton for whatever reason. I don't know what happened, but it seemed like there was an issue there. There was a little bit of a rift. And um, I would assume it's a net positive. However, that rift seemed to develop um, in 2021. That doesn't mean we're not worse off than we were in 2020 or 2019, because he really was the heart and soul of that defense. And um, yeah, I, c- I could see that as being a thing that we're we're really missing is that that leader. You know, I mean, Jair is is full of energy, and I think he's a kind of lead-by-example guy. I don't know if he's necessarily rah-rah, but, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't know who that guy would be, you know. I, I don't think Devondre is sort of that guy, and, and obviously he doesn't, well, we don't need to get into that, but he's not exactly peak Zadarius um, as far as his contribution to the defense. Yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly. There, there's clearly an identity and leadership issue. I think you have a bunch of really talented individuals, but a lot of these really good teams, you know, they're, they're fighting for a common cause, you know, it's whether it's for a head coach or for each other, there's, there's that kind of feel to it. You know, the Detroit Lions, as cheesy as it was, you know, they were fighting for each other. They were fighting for their coach. It was this, this real cheesy Hallmark movie kind of, you know, Rudy-esque feel to it. It's fake and it's lame and it's cheesy, but it's a little bit awesome and you kind of you can just feel it. It's just it's no different than when you can feel momentum change in a football game. There's no real physical tangible thing taking place, but everybody feels it and everybody knows and even though the other team's winning, there's a punt that happens or something and everybody looks at it and says the team with the higher score is now officially losing. If 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 the momentum doesn't switch back, they will lose this game. Even though they have a higher you know the the 
they have a higher score. You can feel a team that is motivated and fighting and really desperate. When I watch the Jets, I'm just beyond impressed. Watching the Jets play and, and how fast and physical and intelligent and, and just prepared, you know, I'm watching guys just shoot out of a cannon as soon as they recognize what the play is and they're able to put themselves in the right spot. And the Packers, they just don't do that. You don't feel it when you watch them play. That desperation. I mean, other teams play like every game is a Super Bowl. The Packers are out there like it's training camp. They haven't even started the season yet. They're practicing. I don't know if it's a person, but there needs to be a thing. Be nice if that thing was the Super Bowl, but whatever. A person, an identity, pride, your head coach, Basaccia. I don't care who it is. There needs to be a common cause that they rally around. And if we're not going to have a person stand up and be that that leader, that 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 standard, Rogers, you know, Lafleur, whatever. There needs to be something because all around the league, I'm seeing teams that historically have not been great that are that are fighting for a cause, and, and you, you you maybe don't know what the cause is, but you can see it when they put it out on the field like that. The Giants, the Jets, the Eagles, even Dallas, Detroit, even Chicago a little bit. You know, they they look bad, but they fight and they scrap and they claw, especially their defense. They don't have a talented defense, but you wouldn't know that when you watch them. I couldn't define what passion looks like on a football field, but you know it when you see it. And I haven't seen it in any of these Packer games at all. You see maybe a glimpse of it, you know, a real nice series by the defense, and they kind of get fired up. And then the offense goes three and out, and it just fizzles. And it's not three and out because, you know, anything admirable. It's something stupid like a drop pass. And then a bad throw, followed by, you know, a run where the guy fumbles the ball on a, on a handoff. We've had two fumbles on handoff exchanges. Well, if that, if that isn't proof of a team that just is not in it, I don't know what is. There's nothing more basic than that. So, again, I'll, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to let them solve all the issues and we'll see how it goes. I'm skeptical, but still remaining somewhat optimistic. But they, they've, they've got a lot to overcome. And I do think there needs to be something that they're rallying for. This thing where they're doing their 111th, where they're each just individual robots in a, in a machine. And if you do your part, then eventually the, the machine will come together and be this massive death robot from hell. And we'll just destroy everybody. That's cool. And I get it conceptually, the whole 111 thing. But I prefer the thing where guys go into battle together. And I know it's just terminology. It all means the same thing. But I do think it's a mindset. We got linebackers who, you know, Quay Walker was the leading, like the most, the best tackler in all of college football as far as missed tackles and whatnot. He did, he never, never missed tackle. Quay Walker is that in the NFL. These guys cannot tackle to save their lives this year. Why would that be the case? These are the best tackling linebackers in the entire NFL, and they can't tackle. What is that other than heart? They're not playing fast and physical and violent. They're They're playing cautious and scared and slow, hesitant, 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 drive me insane. But anyways, I got to get going. I got to go to bed. This episode is already late. You guys have yourselves a great night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.